But that's that mentoring experience. And that's what podcasts and that's what we hope our podcast become for people is an opportunity to to almost like a masterclass situation. Because uh, there are teachers out there who, who are rock starring, uh, who understand what it takes to do what we do. But nobody knows who they are. Nobody's heard their voice. No one's, no one's, you know, there's not a camera in every teacher's room capturing all these moments and, and putting them in a file. And you may have never experienced it, and then you may listen to it on a podcast, and then all of a sudden you experience it, and it's like, oh, I remember them saying, okay, this is how you, okay, got it. And even though it may be like, no, nah, I can't do that, but it gives me an idea. It sparks an idea in my mind of what I can do. Welcome back to Value as Value. My name is Kyle Krieger. Thanks for joining us on this episode number 328. Um, what we got for you this week, we busted up into two parts. Um, Wilkie and I were just having our normal weekly chat and started with a couple Wii Connect cards, asking some questions, and we just had a conversation from there that we felt like we wanted to share about um, making the classroom and making people more human and seeing them for who they are. So this is the first half of that conversation. It was just kind of a natural conversation. We didn't expect to happen. Um, but we want to share it with you. So uh, check back later on in the week. We'll have the second half of it. And as always, thank you for listening. Uh, don't forget to follow us on social media. Hit us up. If there are people you want us to interview, let us know. Otherwise, let's have a great week. Yeah, man. Yeah, I want to get started. When we get started tomorrow, I want to, I want to open up with uh, going back to grabbing a weak net <clears throat> and kind of posing a question. I think that'll kind of help chop up, like, kind of give us those segments back like how we wanted to, but kind of just, and plus tagging out the We Connect cards, getting ready to go back into, uh, uh, you know, you know, back into the school year. You got yours or do you want me to grab mine? I have mine right here. Oh, so funny, funny. <laughs> uh, it's, and, and it's funny because I keep them out on my desk here uh, because every so, Every now and again, I will come in here just with me, and I would pull one of these cards uh, and just try to answer it. So how about since you have your deck, I have my deck, we pull a card, and we ask each other the question, and that's how we'll kick it off. Two different cards. Hey, I'm over here shuffling like I'm in Vegas, you know? I am too. Okay. I'm like waiting for us to pick the exact same card. Are you gonna cut? Are you gonna cut and take? Or are you gonna take whichever one's on the top? I'm gonna take whatever's on top. All right, one one, on one more shuffle, and then we're taking whatever one's on top. Whatever one's on top. All right. All right. What color you got? Mine is blue. Dang it, mine's green. Okay. All right. Here we go. What do you have on your refrigerator door? Golden circle. Still, that's excellent. Still, still, that is my, that is probably, probably the most um, profound um, movement, pro, pro, uh, profound time in my life. And that just kind of defines a whole lot about why I'm doing what I'm doing. And for those who don't know, the Golden Circle, uh, Simon Sinek, um, he, uh, he wrote this book 
and he talks about actually the book. I think the the talk came first, right? Then the, the talk book came, came later. first, or maybe he gave the <clears throat> talk first when he was in the process of That's writing right. the book. Okay, but he talks about your. Let me make sure it's your how. It's your what, what you do, which is your outer ring. Yep. Your your inner ring, your first inner ring is your how. And then the smallest ring on the inside is your why. And he talks about how a lot of times when we're doing things, we work from the outside in. We work from discovering what we what we're gonna do or what we're doing. Then we figure out a way how we're gonna do it, and then we try to define our why. And he said you should do it the other way around. You should start with your why, and once you know your why, how discover how are you gonna get that to uh, to work and to to market and to you know to scale with people, and then you're gonna determine what you're gonna do. Am I am I right? Yes. Okay. Yep. And most, most people, most people try, like you said, mo the thing that he points out that it was so, I mean, revolutionary sounds like a strong word, but for him to say, you know, we try to figure out what we want to do, how we want to do it and why we want to do it. But it's so much more powerful when you work from your why to how to what. I love that. I right. love that. And I also have a picture of me and you at Teach Your Heart Out Vegas. <laughs> um, we have, we have on ours, I think there's a picture of us from Abby and Becca's wedding and a wedding invitation that I have to RSVP for and our next week's uh, meal plan. Y'all plan out a week like that? Wow. Oh, yeah. Awesome. That's oh, awesome. yeah. Oh, yeah, we do. All right, which one you got? All right. <clears throat> what is an issue that you think not enough people are talking about? Oh, my God. An issue that not enough people are talking about. making providing every teacher with a living wage that doesn't require them to have secondary and tertiary jobs facts 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 big facts <laughs> i mean um, and, I, and and i think that's so difficult because you know as we both been writing you your dissertation and i've been clacking away on our book we're realizing that there's only so much energy and like how much of a teacher's energy is depleted when they want to go to a second job. And, and maybe we could differentiate between like, Hey, I've got my side hustle, which I love, which is a hobby, which is a passion. And like, mm -hmm. I have to go from one job to another, another, just to put food on the table. I think right. you, you have to differentiate those. And I mean, even to just to show the appreciation for what teachers do. You know, that's, that's another part of it. Yeah. Um, for me, an issue that I think not enough people are talking about. Um, 
humanity. Um, for for my wife's birthday, uh, my daughter got her T-shirt that just simply says, "Be a kind human." Um, that seems like a very your daughter thing to do. And so you you think about the fact that. Everything that we're struggling with right now is stemming from a lack of humanity. Everything. There's nothing that we that we can talk about right now that doesn't stem from the inhumane treatment of people. Um, you know, it's just it's 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 crazy how a species can have such a disdain for each other within their own species, that it just blows my mind. Yeah. Blows my mind. There's a scene in, um, I think it's season two of Yellowstone. You remember the character Walker, mm-hmm. who's played by a, who it, actually like a super legit country musician, Ryan Bingham. If you haven't listened to his stuff, it's super good. And he's, Casey is taking him to the train station. Mm-hmm. And when Casey decides to let him go versus, you know, the alternative, he talks about how it's not a grizzly bear or a wolf or any other animal that's the meanest on the planet. He's like, there's no, there's no animal scarier and meaner and more dangerous than a human. I remember that episode. Exactly. And I remember that quote. Uh, it resonated with me as well. And it, it, like I say, again, it's just, it is bumfuddling that amongst a species that shares every, just about I mean, 99% of your DNA strand is identical with another species, another member of your species. And you choose to have disdain. It's not a, it's not a innate thing, because you can take babies from all over the world, put them on a remote island by themselves with a bunch of surrogate mothers or even with their own families. And those babies from around the world, if their parents never taught them about the differences or never taught them about you shouldn't like this person or talk to this person or this color person or that color person or this person from there, if we're all just from here, come on, talk to me. If we're all just from here, those babies will grow up in harmony together. You're always going to have tips when you get with people. I watch it even with my dogs that even my dogs, they, they love each other. They're part of a species, but my two older dogs, if one doesn't want to be bothered and the other one wants to play, they'll let them know and they may get into a little, you know, real quick. And then they're like, okay, we're just going to split apart for a little bit. That don't mean I have any less love for you. Yeah. You can still share my water bowl. You know, come on over here. Come to the drinking hole. But, you know, it's like you, we are so, ah, man, like it, it, yeah, man, it, 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 it just blows my mind, the lack of humanity, blows my mind. Like the little 17-year-old boy who here in Houston who got shot because of road rage. Not because somebody cut him off, 
not because somebody wrecked them, but because someone would not allow them to get cut in front of them in line because they had already let so many people in front of them and they were just trying to go. You shoot this person in the back. Come on, man. That, like, if that's not an example, and, and it's going on and occurring so much more now, it's like quarantine created. I, I don't, I don't, I don't know, and I don't even think we can just put that on quarantine because it's been going on, you know, from the existence. But it's like that is just, man, it's crazy. I think part of, I mean, and a part that I felt too, and I noticed like during quarantine was like you just got into this mode where you were only trying to protect your immediate family Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you know you're hearing things like oh there's there's not enough this there's not enough that oh people are now rioting and stealing and doing this because of this and that and I mean I, I think for me turning off that echo chamber like I really am reading very little news that is not pertinent to me because I find right now that like there's so much bombardment of I shouldn't say that I'm not reading news I'm seeking out news and I'm seeking out sources that I feel like are giving me the news but I'm doing my best not to allow news to be given to me you know it's like that old adage of you know, be, be wary of unsolicited advice. So I'm trying to keep the unsolicited news out of my circle because it can put you in a position to where you are, you know, just in that people are in that constant feeling of fight or flight. Mm -hmm. And we know from science, and you taught me this with all the research you did for your dissertation, that like once that fight or flight brain turns on, there's zero reasoning. Right. Reasoning goes out the door. It goes completely out the door. And I don't know why we're, 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 we, we choose to go around with the alarms blaring in our lives. You know, um, <clears throat> when I'm walking in my house and an alarm is set, it will just go, it'll just chime and chime and tell you that you need to disarm the alarm. And if not, it's going to start ringing and a siren's going to go off. The siren is, is to startle the, the intruder to wake up the homeowner, but it also alerts the neighborhood because it's yes. so loud. Literally, most of us are walking around with the sirens blaring in our lives all day long. And I don't know about you, but if my home alarm goes off, there's a heightened sense of awareness that comes up over me. Because I'm like, I'm here, she's here, Nevaeh's here, who's there? So now that, like you say, that fight or flight, I'm not gonna run out of my own house. So I'm gonna stand here and fight. And that's how we walk around all day with that built up anxiety of the alarms going off and wanting to calm it, but we can't. And it's like I said, that's a whole nother podcast, you know, getting into yeah, my place you, and knowing where you are. You know, and, and that's even, you know, like I was 
talking with you the other day about how I feel like I've had so many more like negative thoughts. Like I've spent so much more time over the recent months of like, what would I do in the worst case scenario? What would I do if someone did break in? Like, what would I do in this particular situation if something happened to Brittany or something happened to one of the kids or our parents or whatever it might be. And, you know, when I can get myself, you know, like you said, that mindful space to where I can remind myself that we live even as crazy as things are, we live in the safest and most prosperous time in the history of our civilization. But, you know, for me sitting here thinking about that, like what you said, if, if I heard a window break or in our old creaky house, you can't move without someone knowing you're moving. Like I'm instantly, you know, going into the, worst case scenario defense mode mm-hmm. i'm calling the police and saying okay there's someone in our home we are in an upstairs bedroom this is the situation and i'm prepared to have to you know defend our home against that threat do i want to be in that position because what strikes me is you know it seems like people who get themselves into that position where they're in something like you were talking about on the road mm-hmm. almost want to be either you want to be in that position or you're so ill prepared to just deal with life that when you get in that position, you're, you don't have any way to deal with it. You know, the police report said that the dad in that vehicle did a gesture to the driver um, and so the dad did an interview to clarify what the gesture was. He said, the gesture was not me flipping off. The gesture was me pointing out that he did this. He said, this was my gesture that I just put my arm out saying, I've already let three people in. And your son, 17 year old son is no longer here because of a gesture. Um, you know, even thinking about the Haitian, the Haitian president assassinated in his home. Um, and I know there's a lot of conspiracy theories, but what does it say to you as a society that you can't come together and talk to one another without, without it turning violent? You can't talk out your different. You can't agree to disagree. I'm gonna occupy my space. You're gonna occupy your space. On the things that concern us both, we'll work together. But we ain't really got much beyond that. I mean, that's the relationship we have with most of, most of people that we around. And I'm speaking as a country to country. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, but well, what does it say when that's the norm? Is that if I want you out, I'm not gonna worry about the democratic process. I'm gonna storm the Capitol. If I want you out, I'm gonna bust in your house and, I, and I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna kill you to get somebody in to send the, everything into an upheaval. Um, and it has to be some more thought given about infrastructure and preserving our constitution 
do I think it needs to be changed? Yeah, absolutely. I think there needs to be some some cliff notes. I mean, not cliff notes. Some little uh, writers' notes added to it to to, to define things that are written in there so everybody's on the exact same page. So it's not a document that's being interpreted. It's a document that's being understood. Um, you know, the need a good reworking right now. I mean, man, hey, it's over 200 years old. I mean, absolutely needs a reworking right now. Can you imagine driving something that's over 200 years old and, 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 and never, never changing the oil on it, never changing the wheels on it because you wouldn't even be a motor in it right now it'll just be a carriage if it was 200 years ago yeah you wouldn't be able to drive it if you didn't have horses so there's a lot and i don't know too many 200 year old horses so those would have to be changed out so you know what i'm saying it's like we, we just have to really start looking stop trying to be so petty and start focusing in on the things that are most important which are people the people that make up this republic, the people that make up this globe, uh, this world society that we live in, we have to put them first. And I think that once we start doing that, we'll get back to the humane treatment of people. We'll get back to that. Yeah, I mean, it's just, and, and I know we did a podcast on critical race theory and all of that not that long ago. But the thing that, that always strikes me in that dialogue and, and what I see in here is, and it frustrates me too because of what I was taught in my history classes, even at the college level, is that slavery wasn't as bad as it actually was. Like when you become an adult and you see like, and, and it's a lot of, you know, we've read the work by Brene Brown it's so much easier to be cruel to another person when you dehumanize them. Yeah, I, I want and, to talk to have a conversation with people who say slavery wasn't that bad. You know, and, and that's the thing. And it even still happens today. Like you dehumanize migrants. You dehumanize people of other faiths. You dehumanize people in the LGBTQ community. You dehumanize women. You dehumanize anyone because and this is the thing that has struck me and I can't just it, 37 times a day that that point that you've been making for a while about people don't want to have a real conversation about what our values actually are because if you had to look at another person as strictly just that person and say the things about them that you do if you were made to sit down at a table and say say those things to them when you see that they are a person and you have to admit that what you're saying is dehumanizing or it's racist or it's whatever it is then you're less likely to do it And, and I think that's just a point where we are at is, and it's in our political system too. Like how, how often do you hear a politician right now saying that they don't agree with a particular plan because of these particular reasons? 
How often are you hearing that right now? Hardly ever, right? Mm -mm. It reminds me of the clip that the clip is everywhere from 2008 of John McCain in a town hall when he was running against Obama and a woman asked a question about Obama being a Muslim and all of these negative things. And he stops her before the question is done. And he says, no, ma'am, none of those things are true. I know Obama. I've worked with him. I know him to be a good and honorable person, but we just disagree on what's right and wrong, you know, what's the right direction for our country. And I will fight, you know, whatever he will do, whatever to show people that the plan that he has is the better one. Hmm. You don't and see that, that anymore. Do you, You, that that's called um, class. That's called um, taking the high road. That's called coof. Some people would say um, it's called respect. Yeah, and it just and that's we, we live in such a disrespectful, disrespectful society right now that. It is, you know, and I try to tell kids, more fights occur in school because of that one word, disrespect. Why are y'all doing it? Man, he was disrespecting me. They were just being disrespectful. But you gotta ask yourself, are you being respectful? Because respect, my grandfather used to say, respect begets respect. You want respect, then show it. And and we've tried our best to not go political, especially when it comes to the former president. But that was a frustrating thing about him is he continued to have this narrative where the reason he was being so disrespectful is because people were disrespecting him. Mm-hmm. And how many times did we talk about his opportunity to take the high road? Mm-hmm. And how many people did you hear justify his behavior and his character as, well, if people were doing that to, to him, if people did that to Obama, he would do the same thing. People were just as bad to Obama, if not worse. Well, they were actually worse. I mean, they, they, they called this man uh, a monkey. You know, and, and that's just where... You know, they called him... They called him there was a senator who, who, who was caught on tapes calling him the N-word. You know what I mean? So there's, there's so much that, that he could have come out and, and, and turned into. But again, when, when somebody, I, I tell people, I want to give you what you don't expect. Because you're going to expect me to act and respond a certain way. And, and I don't want to meet that. When you're dealing with foolish people. Because foolish people only bring up foolishness because they want you to become foolish with them. They want you to prove their belief. Mm-hmm. So and I want to disprove it. Yeah. So if they if they believe that they can get you to act a certain way and then they can confirm what they already believe, then it becomes this like, oh, yep, I knew it. 
I'm I knew if I give you that pleasure. Thank you again, y'all, for checking out this episode of Value Adds Value. Um, please be sure to check us out on YouTube, subscribe, um, follow us on social media, and reach out if there are things you want us to talk about, people you want us to talk to, and ways that we can better serve you. So we hope you have a great weekend, and we will talk to you again next week.